thing the Bible teaches us about asking God. And um, if I could kind of maybe forego a lot of the review and, and, and these sorts of things, um, we're, we're basing this teaching out of um, an encounter that, that occurred in Matthew, the 8th chapter. It's when a centurion came to Jesus and asked Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus said he would go to his home and do it. And um, the centurion, being a, a ranking official in the Roman uh, military, um, he said, you don't have to come to my house. I recognize, Jesus, that you're a man um, who has authority and you're also a man who's under authority. And if you speak the word only. And so Jesus marveled at this man's faith. And, of course, we know that, that Jesus gave the word and that man's servant was healed without Jesus having to go to his home. And so what we're looking at, among other things, uh, from this uh, encounter is, you know, what is it that this centurion understood maybe? How did he see things um, differently than perhaps other people in his time saw things, excuse me, and, and then how differently would he have seen things than maybe some of us see them? And so when we talk about how we see something, we're talking about the way we understand something, the way, the way we think it works or the way we understand it to be. Um, and, of course, we know a lack of understanding on behalf of God's people, you know, it, 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 it costs us, it hinders us. Um, but we also know that faith will flourish. Man, faith will produce amazing results in your life if you have an understanding heart. And so, the, um, I know I just skipped over a lot of opening Bible verses and all that. So, the twelfth thing that we've looked at is the centurion understood the importance of asking. And we pointed out that this would have been a part of his responsibilities um, he would have had a lot of men under him that he would have had to fill out requisitions for. He would have had to make sure they had plenty of food, plenty of provisions, the, the, you know, the shoes on their feet, everything that a standing army would need uh, to function. And I know we've got some men, maybe some women in here that have served in the military, and so um, you know that that's no small thing. Um, and the centurion understood that um, even though... Rome would have known what they needed. Rome would have understood, um, you know, things that he would have liked to have had for his troops, that they didn't dispense those things based upon need. They, based, they dispensed them based upon um, them being asked for. And so this is why, again, the centurion would have understood the importance of asking. And although we don't know definitively the answer to this question, I think we know the answer to this question. I'm confident of the answer to this question. And, and the question is this, what would have happened to the centurion servant had he not asked? We have no record that Jesus was going to this man's house to, to heal this uh, sick person. Um, but it was him taking uh, the initiative to ask that opened the door for um, this miracle. So let's begin tonight in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And we'll go through verse 11. So 7, 7, 11. Amen is one way you can uh, remember this. I, I'm probably uh, like you in this. I know a lot of Bible verses, but sometimes I'm, I'm negligent on knowing exactly where they, they're found. It's kind of like your best friend in high school. You know exactly where his house is, but you may not have known the street address. 
And so it's important, I think, sometimes for us to know the street address. And so, like, the numbers, especially if they're unique numbers, it, it, it helps me remember them. So Matthew 7, 7. It's kind of like John 10, 10. Amen. Matthew 7, 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. I'm sorry, let me put it up on the screen for you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Um, Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Uh, verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And so one of the things that we've pointed out in, in this passage, we've looked at it uh, in previous times together, is that we have five verses, and each of these verses we find the word ask in. And so I think it's pretty clear what it is that Jesus was um, emphasizing here. Now, I want to take just a moment to you know, lay some groundwork tonight and, and maybe help you see some things and understand some things uh, in, a, in, a, in a way or a deeper way than perhaps you, you have up until this point. Um, one thing that is clear uh, from both the Old Testament and the New Testament um, is the importance of asking. Um, we haven't turned to these verses yet, but the Bible says this, you have not because you ask not. In other words, you, you don't have it because you haven't asked for it. Um, and it doesn't get any clearer or more plain than that when we see the importance of asking. Now, um, there are many, many verses on this subject. I've got several of them in my notes. But before I go there um, to some of these other verses, I want to just talk to you for a moment to try to help you see the bigger picture of all of this. Because we see in Matthew, the sixth chapter, where Jesus tells us that Father God already knows what you need before you ask him. And so you think, okay, well, he already knows what we need before we ask. Um, so does that mean there's no need to ask? Wrong. Because just as Jesus told us in Matthew 6 that Father already knows what you need before you ask, Matthew 7, he emphasizes the necessity for us to ask. So there's a few things then that we can conclude from this. First of all, um, having the need and Father knowing you have the need is not necessarily enough to get that need met. See, you would think that if he knows what we need, then that's all that's necessary. So asking then, think about it this way, asking then means a whole lot more to Father God than you telling him what you need. He already knows what you need. So the ask then and you going before him to ask him for the things, uh, it, it's, it's more to him than you just informing him of a need in your life. He already knows of the need in your life. Okay. So I think that leads us then to a bigger question. Why is it so important to God for you and me to ask? Now, Jesus told us a story, a parable, um, about a man who had two sons, an older brother and a younger brother. We often um, refer to this parable as the parable of the prodigal son. Um, Perhaps you are familiar with it. In this uh, parable of the prodigal son, 
we see that the younger brother came to his father and asked for his inheritance before his father passed. And we see that his father divided his estate between his older son and his younger son. And then we know that the younger son took his portion of the inheritance and went and um, wasted it. That's what prodigal means, wasteful. He went and wasted it on riotous living, okay? Um, we might could say it this way. He, he squandered it partying and buying frivolous things, um, so forth and so on. And, of course, he, he ran out of money, and then he fell on hard times. And this prodigal son comes back home to his father, and his father uh, runs to meet him, throws his arms around him, kisses him, restores him, gives him a ring, gives him shoes on his feet, puts a robe on his back. The ring, the shoes, the robe are all highly significant and all highly symbolic. The ring represented authority, the shoes represented freedom, and the robe represented right standing. All of these things are symbolic in Scripture. And yet the whole time this father is restoring his youngest son, his youngest son can't keep telling him how unworthy he is and is requesting to be made like a servant in hopes that he can one day work his way back into right standing with his father instead of just humbling himself and receiving from his father what it is that his father is offering to him. Now, we, we could talk for days about you know, all that, that Jesus was communicating to us from this parable. What we see, of course, uh, let's bring the older brother. That's why it's a story about two sons, not just about the younger brother. We see that the older brother was infuriated with his father for welcoming um, his younger brother back into the family. So much so that when his dad threw a party for the younger brother, the older brother was sulking and pouting and wouldn't come and celebrate. And his dad is like, listen, your younger brother was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. There's every reason that we should be celebrating his return. But the younger, the older brother rather says, you know, all these years I've done everything you've asked me to do and you never threw a party for me or any of my friends. Now, there's one thing tonight, though, from this story that I think falls right into this question of why it is, why it is important for us to ask, okay? Because what we see in both of these brothers, the younger and the older, although they, they had different lifestyles, they chose different pathways, one of the things that they had in common is that they both wanted their daddy's stuff, but they didn't want a relationship with their dad. They wanted his stuff, but they didn't want him. They wanted what he could do for them. They wanted what he could give to them. They wanted to benefit from what he had worked his whole life. What, you know, that's what an inheritance is. An inheritance is what one generation gives their whole life for, right, to provide to the next generation. And so what this man had literally given his whole life for, for that matter, in their culture, what generations of this man's family had given their life for that had been passed down to him, now time to pass down to his sons. And notice, he, he was willing to do that. He enjoyed blessing and giving to his son, so much so that when his younger son wanted his portion early, you know, it was an inconvenience. It required selling property. It, it required a whole lot 
uh, we read this in three or four sentences and think that it was just something the man did with a stroke of the pen, this would have required some effort um, uh, you know, to give this younger brother um, his inheritance. And yet we see the father who represents God the father in this story, we see him doing it willingly. Um, but the sad part about all of this, again, um, is that these brothers wanted to benefit from uh, being their father's son, but they didn't know him. <laughs> the older brother is clueless when it comes to the true heart of his dad. He doesn't know the heart of his father. He doesn't know um, the, the love that he has and the desires that he has and the willingness that he has to give and to bless and to do and, 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 and for them to benefit from being um, his, uh, his offspring. And so if we take that then back to, you know, why, why ask? Why is it important to ask? Why is it not enough for God to know what we need? It's because Father God meeting your needs is nothing to Him. When I say nothing to Him, I don't mean it's not important to Him. I don't mean He doesn't care. I mean it's not going to break Him. It's, it's, it's not that He's going to like, oh my goodness, do we have enough money in the treasury to help? Are you kidding me? It's nothing for Him to meet your needs. That's not what's important to Him. See, unfortunately, that's what is not only important to so many of us, it is the only thing that's important to us, okay? So that comes back to then, what is important to your Heavenly Father? What is important to Him is for you to know Him, for you to have a relationship with Him, for you to actually communicate with Him, for you to have a conversation with Him, for you to find out who He is and for you to know what He's like, for you to experience His love, for you to um, receive from Him, for you to have interaction with Him. These are the things that our Heavenly Father's all about. It's not about the stuff. Never has been, never will be about the stuff for Him. He paves roads with gold. I, I, you understand what I'm saying? He carves uh, gates out of a single pearl. Um, he, he is... Um, you know, we talk about people on this earth being uber rich. Man, they, 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 you, you don't understand uber rich until you understand your heavenly father, our father, amen, your father, my father, Jesus' father. But see, Jesus taught us things like this. You can gain the whole world and lose your soul and you haven't advanced, you haven't profited one little bit. Are you, are you following me? See, we, we put so much emphasis, we, we put so much importance on our needs and our desires, our needs and our desires. And see, if you read the Bible carefully, and we talk about this all the time here at Heritage, Father is not just interested in your needs being supplied. He is a God who absolutely enjoys, takes pleasure in giving you the things that you desire. So let me say it another way. He doesn't just know what you need before you ask. He knows what you want before you ask. And he takes great pleasure in giving you both what you need and what you want. Right? But he loves you too much to just send you these things like an anonymous donor. Right? Without you having to put forth some effort on your part to interact with Him. 
Because the real treasure here is not your needs being met or everything you desire being given to you on a silver platter. The real treasure is your Heavenly Father. The real treasure is an eternal relationship and friendship with Him. The real treasure is having the same access to fellowship with God the Father as Jesus Himself. And see, we, we, we don't know enough about that to, to, to even know how to, to, to ask for that. In other words, it's, it, it's so easy. You know, we're way down here, God's way up here. Now, you, you can disagree with this. I, 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 it's okay. We can still go to heaven together, all right? But the, the more I, I think about this, and the, and the more I... Before I say that, let me say this, okay? I asked, uh, I don't think I've said that, I don't think I've said this in so many words here in the pulpit at Heritage, but I know one morning my brothers and sisters at the Foundry, we, we um, uh, talked about this, I think it may have been Thursday a week ago, I, I, the days kind of run together on me now, um, but it was something the Lord had been kind of turning over in my heart uh, for youth camp. And, um, and so I just kind of floated it out in one of the classes at the Foundry. And then, of course, we, we had a, a session that we talked about this at camp. And, um, and so the simple question, the simple question is of, of the seven and a half, eight billion people on planet Earth right now living and breathing, okay, um, how many of them do you think have their minds on God? How many of them are thinking about their Creator Father? How many of them are including Him in their life and giving Him place in their thoughts and in their minds? See, I don't know if you understand this or not, but your presence in this room means you broke from the pack tonight. You coming to worship God on a Wednesday night when you could be watching the Olympics or vegging out on Netflix or going to bed early or whatever it is you like to do uh, in your quote-unquote spare time, you chose instead to give God place in your life. Amen. And, and, and so that's what I mean by you breaking from the pack. You set yourself apart, whether you, that was your intentions or not, you set yourself apart from everybody else, right, who's doing their own thing tonight by saying, you know what, I, I'm going to give God some of my time and some of my interest and some of my uh, mental uh, connection. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give him some of that tonight. Amen. So again, how many people, there's billions of people on planet Earth, but again, how many of those people are actually setting their heart and mind on God or on the things of God? One of the young ladies in, 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 in I think it was Bailey, um, she had a great answer to that question. You know, they were all really engaged and they were thinking about it, and here's the answer that she came up with. Are you ready? She said, not enough. And that's true, right? It's not enough. Now, I've been accused of, of way oversimplifying things, um, but I believe you, you have to get down to the simplest form of something and then build up from there. So many times we try to start at a more advanced level instead of at, at, a, at a more basic level, okay? And so this might be one of the greatest simplifications that I've ever presented to, uh, to people for their consideration, okay? Um, but if you look at the... The full story of the Bible, where it begins and where it ends, 
it gives you a 40,000 foot view of what this life is really all about, what life on planet Earth is really all about. Are you ready? What begins in a garden ends at a wedding feast. And at that wedding feast, we have assembled together to be the bride of Christ all the people who ever lived on planet Earth who actually wanted a relationship with God. So from that, I believe we can conclude that this big word like mayonnaise, dispensation, bracket of time, earth era as we know it right now, is about one primary thing. Finding out who wants God and who wants to spend time with Him, not just missing hell. See, there's a lot of folks get saved because they don't want to go to hell, not so much because they want to spend the rest of their life with God. Not necessarily because they want to know Him and have a relationship with Him on His terms. Now, again, that's for God to sort out. I'm not here to try to condemn anybody. I'm certainly not here to judge anybody. But listen to me again. What Father's looking for is who wants Him? Who, who really wants Him? Who, who really gives a rip? I mean, who's going to live their life for themselves? And who's going to, you know, live their life for Him? Who, who's going to try to at least do the best we can to please Him? Or are we going to live to please other people and please ourselves? I mean, let's just sort it out. Let's just figure it out, right? Because ultimately, listen to me, ultimately that's... That's what eternity is, is, is going to be about. In other words, there's going to come a day, and, and thank God it's not today, but there's going to come a day when God is going to say, okay, if that's what you want, have at it. We see that that has happened many times throughout history. He is a merciful God. He is long-suffering. Every morning His mercies are new. But we also see this thing throughout Scripture's where the iniquity of a group of people or an individual person finally reaches its full measure. In other words, it finally reaches the point to where that person has gone so far down a path that God says, all right. Now that's not, listen, I don't tell you that. If, if you're taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into a church service on a, on a Wednesday night, don't let the devil tell you that that's you somehow. If you're here tonight, you know, it's kind of like when you... People ask me sometimes about the unpardonable sin. One of the first things I tell them is, if you committed the unpardonable sin, you wouldn't be asking me about it right now. Okay? So don't let the devil try to jump on board and say, you know, man, you've gone too far. No, no, he's lying to you. Here you are trying to do what God wants you to do on a Wednesday night to the best of your ability, and God bless you for it. But I'm trying to show you here that, you know, our needs and our desires and, and unresolved issues and unmet needs in our lives where we try to figure these things out on our own, but eventually we turn to God. See, how about this? It's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. So this is why God is good to people who basically don't even believe He exists, right? Because He's, he's wanting His goodness and for them to taste His goodness, get a sample of His goodness in hopes that they will want to know more about Him. This is why He says, taste and see that I'm good. Because if you ever really experience His goodness in your life reality, you'll, you'll be ruined in a good way for life. 
because nothing will ever satisfy you. Once you ever experience the true joys of salvation in your life, there's nothing on this earth that, that even comes close to it. And so now notice what he's doing. He's gently, he's gently drawing you in. He's gently pulling you closer and closer to himself. Now, this, this may be a bit controversial. And I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm just trying to help you see something. Again, the bigger question we're trying to ask tonight is, is why do we have to ask? Why do we have to ask? You see, I'm going to get to the part that's a little bit controversial. Just stay with me, all right? But I think by the time we get there, you're gonna, it's not going to be controversial anymore because your eyes are already going to be open to it. But let, let me give you... Um, let me give you an, an earthly example that, that I've used before that maybe will help you relate a little more to this, okay? One of the things that we hear from people who are one of three things, if not a combination of the three, people who are famous, people who are powerful, people who are wealthy, and sometimes, again, that can be all three. A famous, powerful, wealthy person. One of the issues that the wealthy, powerful, and famous have is they are never really sure who's their friend. Right? In other words, they're never really sure if people are hanging out with them because of their money, because of their fame, because they have the power to get things done, or if they're genuinely their friend. In other words, would this person still be my friend if I didn't have all this money, or if I didn't have all this power, or if I didn't have all of this fame? So we hear fascinating stories about ultra-rich people who leave their entire fortune to their limo driver because that was really the only person that they ever really felt was a genuine friend to them. Are you following me? So do you at least understand the concept of, you know, someone who would only want to be friends with somebody, and I'm using that term loosely, because of their wealth or because of their power or because of their fame? Well, brother, sister, they don't get any more wealthy or powerful or famous than God. Are you seeing this? Now, God has a lot of fans, okay? Not so much when it comes to friends. You know, we, we sing that song around here, I am a friend of God. A lot of people who sing that, really, they're, they're more like a fan of God instead of a friend of God. Are you following me? In other words, do, do, do we just, you know, run to God when we need his help and we can't figure it out on our own? We've tried everything else and nothing left to do now but pray. And so now we're going to run to God to see if God will help us. Listen, please, please understand me. I'm not telling you he won't help you under those circumstances because, again, he's, he knows that if anything is ever going to turn your heart towards him, it's going to be him being good to you. And so he, he, he's, he's good to people. He's good to people who, who deny he exists right? But he also knows, let, let, let me try to go at it at another angle. If you remember Cain and Abel, 
It, isn't it interesting that the first murder on planet Earth was over an offering? The first murder on planet Earth, matter of fact, it wasn't just over an offering, it was over a tithe. And tithing has been controversial amongst humankind ever, ever since the Garden of Eden. And so, if you read it carefully, you see that um, Abel brought the best of his flock to God. And the and Hebrews tells us, the book of Hebrews tells us that Abel's offering was one of excellence. In other words, he gave God his very best because God deserves our very best. Amen? Abel, on the other hand, uh, I'm sorry, Cain, on the other hand, he, he doesn't bring God his best. Now, there's a whole teaching here that maybe I've bitten off a little more than I can chew, but let me, let me just stay with it for a moment. When a shepherd takes the strongest and healthiest of his flock and sacrifices them to God, that act is saying to God, I'm not trusting in my abilities as a herdsman to prosper me and sustain me. Because what, what see, common sense, I love what Bill Winston says, common sense never produced the first miracle, okay? But common sense says you take the strongest of the herd and do what? You, you mate the strongest of the herd. You want, you want to... Um, you want to take your prize bull, your, your, you know, the, the, the fastest stallion, and put it in a stall and pamper it and baby it and let it father all the rest of the herd. But that's not what Abel did. Abel took the strongest and cut its throat. Because he's saying to God, God, I'm not depending upon my own strength and ability to protect me and to sustain me and to carry me. He did that as an act of trust in God to take care of him. Now, the same is true with a farmer. A farmer takes the prize watermelon. I remember my dad, my granddad's doing this. They would take the prettiest watermelon. You can eat any watermelon in the patch, but that prettiest one is going to become seed for next year. So when Cain kept the best of the produce for himself, what he was in essence saying was, I'm not trusting God for the health of, of my crops and to protect me and sustain me. I'm trusting myself. Can you see that? Am I boring you? I'm trying to bore you. I'm trying to show you something here, right? So this is why God did not accept Cain's offering. It's not because God was trying to be hard on Cain. For God to, um, to uh, acknowledge that, for God to place a stamp of approval on that would have, would have been one of the worst things he could have ever done for Cain. And this is why God says to him, why, why are you, you know, so depressed and angry just do what you know to do and everything will be fine but it, but he rebelled against that see he was he was determined rather than do it god's way he was going to do it his own way and so he felt in his estimation abel's making him look bad because abel's doing it god's way and so he's going to eliminate the competition that's why he murdered his brother now let's just say that you know, without any request, without any communication, without any effort on your part, 
to, to, to ever acknowledge God exists, to ever you know, do anything towards establishing any kind of relationship or connection or friendship with Him, that He just gives you everything you want, everything you need. I've known some people in my life that their mom and dad gave them everything they wanted, everything they needed without any consequences for any of their bad choices. How do you think that person turned out in their adult years? <laughs> I got the right bunch tonight. Y'all okay? No accountability, no honor, no integrity, no character. Trying to buy their love, trying to buy their affection. It cheapens everything. It cheapens the gifts. It cheapens um, anything that that mom and dad did for that child. But let me tell you what it cheapens more than anything else. It cheapens the love and the affection. It, it, it makes it something that can be bought and sold. And what we're talking about now is far too precious for that. So what's the controversial statement? Here's the controversial statement. I, I believe that God created us with the capacity to experience both need and desire as things inside of us that would ultimately draw us to Him. I heard, I heard Jesse Duplantis say several years ago, and man, it, it, it has challenged me. It has challenged me. He said that, you know, there are times where you see something that is maybe way beyond what you have money in the bank right now that you could, that you could go pay for. But you see something like, maybe it's a big home, maybe it's a new sports car, maybe it's, I don't know, some piece of equipment or, or whatever, you know. Anyway, you see something and there's something inside of you that wants that thing, that desires that thing. See, religion has told us that's being greedy. And I'm not saying greed isn't a real thing, but this is what Jesse Duplantis says about it. And, and, and I, again, you've got to be led by the Spirit here, but I think there's a whole lot of truth to this. He says that that's, that's God on the inside of you challenging you to believe Him for that thing. Do you see that? Do you see the difference there? That, that, that it, it's, it's Father God saying, look, you, you desire these. Let me, let me take it out of the category of things for a moment. Remember the disciples sitting around arguing about who was the greatest? And Jesus walks up in the middle of them and he, and he begins to explain to them how to be great. He didn't rebuke them for desiring to be great because God created you to be great. It's just, here's the catch, and I don't mean to use the catch like God's trying to get you or something like that, but here is the quote-unquote catch to that. You were created by God to be great, but you'll never be great without Him. He created you with, with needs. He, that's why He knows what you need. But He wants, he wants you to make Him uh, your source. He wants you to look to Him. He wants you to trust Him. Now see, here's the thing. You can't trust Him. You can't trust people you don't know. I think this is why faith is such, a, is such an important uh, part in all of this. God wants you to believe Him for it. 
You can't believe him without a relationship with him. The more you know him, the more you walk with him, the more, you, uh, more place you give him in your life, the more he reveals to you, the more your heart understands. All of these things come from God. We see where Jesus, the Bible says, literally he took a key, spiritual key, a key nonetheless, because he unlocked something. What did he unlock? He unlocked the disciples. Not every human being is on, on, on planet Earth. He unlocked the disciples' understanding. If you read Proverbs, wisdom and understanding, more precious than any amount of gold, silver, jewels, anything that your heart could desire in a physical context, the Bible says, is cannot even hold a candle to the importance of understanding from God, wisdom from God. Where do we get that? <laughs> it comes from doing life with God. It comes from giving him place in your life and, and, and spending some time with him. And, and, and this is where we receive these things. This is where um, he, he blesses us with, the, with the, hey, l- l- let me Let me say it another way. And, and, see, God, it's not, it's not, money's not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. It's the love of money. I heard Keith Moore teaching recently on this subject. He said, you know, the love of money has nothing to do with how much money you have or don't have. In other words, you can love money and be broke. You can love money and, and not have a penny in the bank, but still that's your, that's, you're all about it, right? So he said it this way, and I think it's such a simple but such a powerful point. He says, if you can love money and not have any, you can have money and not love it. Right? So here, here's a simple way that I say it, okay? Father God doesn't mind you having things. He doesn't want things having you. He doesn't mind you having money. He wants you to have money, but he doesn't want money to own you, to have you. There's a big difference there. Amen. Amen. This is why the prophets said this of, of, of him, in the, of Jesus in the Old Testament. Are you ready? That he is the desire of all nations. See, think about that now. There's all kinds of names for God in the Bible, but that, that might be one of my favorite. Who is he? I, how much time you got? I mean, that's, you know, he is a lot of things. But let me, tell you, let me tell you one of the ways he identifies himself. God identifies himself to us as the desire for all nations. See, He's what people really want. It's just some of us don't have enough sense to know that yet. We think it's we want this and we want that. We want, you know, another person to try to meet our needs or we want you know, a lot of money or we want the power or we want the fame and all this other stuff. And, and, and yet the true desire of all nations is our Heavenly Father. He, he's, he is what everybody's looking for. He is who everybody's looking for. Amen. And so this is why he says, look, I know what you need before you ever ask me. I even know what you, what you want. You ever, come on now, we think we know what we want, but when's the last time you've had one of these conversations? What do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. You pick. I picked last time. So a lot of times we don't really know what we want. Let me tell you something. Father knows what you need, but he also knows what you want. 
He said, delight yourself in him. And what will he do? He'll give you the desires of your heart. See, the world says, the world thinks it's this way. If I can just get my heart's desire, I'll be delighted. Wrong. It's not how it works. Father God says what? Delight yourself in me. And I'll give you the desires of your heart. If you get the desires of your heart without ever knowing him, even if you gain the whole world, in the end, you're going to be miserable. Amen. Amen. So do you see, do you see why it's important for us to ask? Stand with me tonight. That's, I thought that would, you know, we ain't even got started yet. That's, but anyway, we skipped the introduction and that was, I don't know what that was, but that was needed. Do you see why it's important to ask now? Do you see why he says, how about this one? Come, come to me, right? And let's reason together. Let's just talk about it. How about this one? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Right? With everything, he says, be thankful, prayer, supplication, make your request known unto God. So we get all stressed out and anxious about things. What do we need to do? We need to ask. I'm going to talk about this one maybe next week, but how about this one? He says, Jesus said, ask him. He was talking to his disciples. He said, there's coming a day. He said, up until now, you've asked me for everything. He said, you're going to, there's coming a day when you don't have to ask me. You can go straight to the Father in my name. Okay. And, and so again, he said, do you get the picture that Jesus is almost like begging us to ask? Do you see why it's important for us to ask? Ask is how we start this. So you've got to humble yourself to ask. But how about this? A humble heart is, is one that can receive help from God. So ask. There's all kinds of these, these different. But this is what Jesus said. He says, ask. And, and whatever you ask in my name, Father will give it to you. Are you ready? So that your joy may be full. Don't overthink it. We have a lot of joy when we get what we want. We have a lot of joy when, when, when we, not just our needs are met, but when our desires are met. Are you following me? Share with you a couple of weeks ago about Pam and I uh, selling our property. And, and um, I'm not trying to talk about it. It's something Pam and I, it might be maybe one of the longest things we've ever prayed and spoken to and agreed on to take come to pass it, it 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 for whatever reason it took a while amen we just kept trusting believing speaking to it trusting believing speaking to it but man when we left that attorney's office with that check reckon our joy was full you see what i'm saying we received and i remember the lord's like you know i've been studying those things and it's like there you go see you asked the lord brought it to pass so that your joy may be full we we had full joy full joy amen amen father thank you for these men and women thank you father you see their hearts lord you you know what some folks had to sacrifice you know how early some of these folks have been uh, got up this morning and how tired they are and 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 the struggle the resistance that they dealt with but here they are father present and accounted for um lord it all begins with showing up and they've shown up tonight thank you for that and lord thank you that you're you're just teaching us some things you're you're it's, it's more than just hearing words, Lord. It's an impartation that's taken place, revelation that's taken place, uh, an unlocking of the understanding. 
of some very important things in our hearts that's taking place. And so, Lord, we believe that we receive that revelation tonight. We believe that we receive understanding tonight. We believe, Father, that from this night forward, Lord, we're going to see asking you in a completely different light, Lord, in, in a correct light. Father, that you're not trying to put a bunch of hoops for us to jump through, but you want to make sure that we don't miss the real treasure here, and the real treasure is you. And so we thank you for it, Father, and we believe you for it. And we call uh, every person on the sound of my voice right now blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, thank you again for being here. You're loved if nobody's told you that. I will see some of you in the morning. I'll see some of you on Sunday. You have a great rest.